Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. Uh, you modern. Can, you can, I was pretty gruff with that, wasn't I? You can find us McGruff on the, the web. McGruff the crime dog is joining us. <laughs> you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Dot com. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about The Grifters, uh, a Stephen Frears film from 1990. But before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about last week's episode. A little bit of follow-up, oh. as it were. Oh, Club follow up. No, I was actually. Oh, are you going to prove or disprove your theory? Your ridiculous, absurd theory? <laughs> no, I'm going to provide an additional theory. Uh, and this comes from um, uh, a Facebook friend of mine who I've actually never met in person, but we've been talking on Facebook for a very long time. Creepy. Yeah, definitely creepy. Mm. Um, and uh, he, um, he, he runs his own podcast as well. And he. He What's wanted a podcast? To, it's yeah. called, yeah, that's really, mm-hmm. really great to me. It's the St. Mort uh, show on the Geekscape Podcast Network. Okay. And uh, Matt Kelly uh, was talking to me on Facebook about this, and I thought it was interesting. I just wanted to bring it up. So his theory about what the movie's about is that it's Fight a... Fight rem- Club. Fight Club. What, what the movie Fight Club is about is that it is a reverse romantic comedy hmm. in the sense that in normal romantic comedies, it's usually about a female protagonist that feels they need to change themselves to appeal to the male, and then they come to the conclusion that they were fine all along and that they just needed to be true to themselves. That's a very common trope. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, it's um, pretty common, yeah. In Fight Club, he thinks it's the opposite. He thinks that um, our main character, our narrator, falls uh, really wants to impress this woman, Marla, and so he thinks he needs to invent himself as the Tyler Durden character to appeal to appeal to her. And then he realizes at the end of the movie, the kind of um, when he finally manages to kill Tyler, hypothetically speaking, he realizes he yeah. realizes he needed to be true to himself the entire time. And that's when the only time they actually hold hands and form actual contact. So hmm. thought that was interesting. Yeah. I think and, I like that good. theory much better than yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is that's and, much more airtight. And, and, the, and you know how I brought up the fact that both Tyler and Marla look very similar? Yep. Um, he says that he becomes Tyler to look similar to Marla to appeal to her uh, sensitivities. Come on. Uh, come but, you know, that's an interesting point of view. So yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I agree with Dave in disagreeing with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just think that in general, the movie like Fight Club could probably be interpreted multiple ways. I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, 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 yeah, ways of looking at it. Mm-hmm. But okay, so let's actually get into this episode. Um, the episode 32. Gr- episode 32. Like I said, we are talking about Stephen Freer's 1990 film, The Grifters. It begins with seduction. The lady or the loot. It leads to betrayal. You're working for some angle. Don't tell me you're not, because I wrote the book. What do you sell anyway? Self-confidence. You're not skimming this thing, really? Oh, well, you know. Clip the butt here and the butt there. Get better, this man. I can walk away from it any time I want. I've heard that before. So, The Grifters is about a small-time con man who, um, uh, who reconnects, played by. played by John Cusack, who reconnects with his estranged mother, played by Angelica Houston, and uh, and they and his mother clashes with his new girlfriend, played by Annette Bening. Does that make sense? Yep. And they're yeah. all and they're all they're all in the grift. They're, they're three all con pe- people. They're all con, con people. Men, con women. And um, this is a movie that's con uh, moms. Um, a con family? <laughs> this is a movie that I feel like has totally drifted from the public consciousness because I got to tell you, Dave, I've never even heard of this movie before you <laughs> even brought it up. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people have not. And, um, I, and, it's, <sighs> and it's, it's funny because I, when I looked this movie up, it is, was very critically well-received. Yeah. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. Whoa. It launched Stephen Freer's career as a respectable filmmaker. It was produced by Martin Scorsese. Yep. Yeah, I was and, surprised to see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, it's on a, in a genre that has always been popular in cinema since the beginning of movies, which is the con film, right? Which has existed film noir uh, and film noir and yeah. film noir. You combine those and those movie those that tropes those tropes have existed since the 1920s. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very interesting that this movie it just kind of feels like it faded away in a lot of ways. And you probably don't feel that way because you suggested it. No, I mean it's it's well. It, it has in my well. You can continue, but yeah, I mean, it, I agree that there's probably some reasons why it's faded away, and and people don't think about this movie as much as say something like *Ellie Confidential*, right? Mm. 
But I guess I, that's why I'm going to start with you. Usually I start with Mike. But Dave, I'm going to start with you because why the heck did you think it was worthy to review oh. this movie? And I like <laughs> It sounded no. really bad. But why? Why exactly? What, you, well, what, what was wrong with what, you? Like, what, what drugs went, were you what taking? What went through your head? No, oh, my God. <laughs> See, I, I'm feeling like there's going to be a twist here where it, it turns around and like you guys love this movie. Because Are we maybe you, We'll see what happens. I think, I think it's possible you're conning. This would be a damn long time. You guys con, could though. be uh, podcast grifters. <laughs> um, That's a good name for a podcast. Podcast grifters. That, should be, the name. Name. that should be the name of this show. There's ah, no, no reason why we can't do it. But that's not what we do. We don't. We can. We can start doing that. I guess a second. Every podcast. episode, we would take another podcast um, format. Yeah. And we grift it. That's true. And then we switch to another. That's one. true. That's good. That's true. We, we would hold up a nobody 20, else out there. Take put that. down a ten. Right? <laughs> um, okay. So 1990 was a very formative. So first of all, let me start off with this. A lot of the movies we do uh, are very male centric, and, and I mentioned this on the on, on the last podcast. Fight Club is, you know. It's a pretty macho movie. I mean, there's there's some uh, you could argue that there's some feminine qualities to it. With the whole, you're arguing it's about uh, guys losing his balls or whatever. But it's, it's a coming. movie about a guy with boobs. I mean, how much more yeah, feminine can yeah, it get? But it's not Dave. really. But it, people don't really see it that way for the most part. No, I agree. I, my my argument about it being about a guy losing his balls is about a man in search of his masculinity. Right. So it's right. all about masculinity. Right. So it's about masculinity. Yes. We don't. We haven't done a lot of movies that that feature like really strong female protagonists that I can that I can think of. We keep talking about doing Alien and Aliens. And obviously, that has one of the most, you know, the strongest female protagonists mm. of all time, and Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver. But this is one of those movies that uh, came out in a year that was basically the year that I decided I wanted to be a creative for a living, and I, you know, more specifically, I, I, I thought, well, I'm going to be a movie director. Do you I, think they did that on purpose, or was that by accident <laughs> on the director's part, or on the director's part? part? Do you think it was their way of getting you into gear? See, yeah, I think it was a plan. This is a joke. I think it was a plan, and yeah, and, and they they still talk to me till this day. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I said Goodfellas was the turning point for me. Sorry, Dave. You're, Dave is the worst at yes and improv ever. You just can never. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. What you, sorry, maybe because your face was hidden behind the pop filter. I mean, I couldn't see. I, it. I'm just real good at it. I'm sorry. real good. I'm a grifter. Yeah, yeah he is. Uh, 1990. That was that was the year Goodfellas came out, directed by Martin Scorsese. I remember seeing that, and that was I saw that movie, and I said, "That's what a director does." That's what I said. Whatever, whatever this guy's doing, I want to do something like that. And obviously, I'm an animator for motion, motion graphics animator. I'm not Martin pretty Scorsese. Close. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. But uh, I thought, well, maybe I could do that for a living. Anyways, the Grifters. So I used I started watching the Oscars on a regular basis. I started reading books about. Movies, I would, I mean, you know, I would just read as much as I could. And um, it, The Grifters was one of the most critically acclaimed movies of that year. I mean, it came out at the end of 1990, kind of really opened in 91. But uh, in my head, I remembered it being nominated for Best Picture. Obviously, it wasn't. It was one of the few movies that was nominated for Best Director, but not Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those rare uh, examples, just like this year we had, um, we had, there was one. The Selma? No. Um, there was one movie, well. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but it ha- it happens pretty uh, rarely where someone like doesn't get nominated for you know a best picture, but they don't get nominated. There's like a best director slot where they slip this other guy in. This movie is really well directed, and Stephen Frears, you know, would go on to have like a pretty solid career of movies like The Queen. Um, if you remember The Queen with Helen Mirren and um, what was his name, the guy who it was in the movie about uh, um, Tony Blair and whatever. Anyway, Michael Shannon. Mike, no, uh, no, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, I know him from uh, uh, High Fidelity. Oh, in High Fidelity, the movie yes. I relate with him the most. Yeah, High Fidelity, and uh, you know, he, he. I'm looking at him now. Uh, Dangerous Liaisons, which is very good. Another movie that came out a couple years before that was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. So he's like this solid British director, and um, and I still remember this movie. I still remember like Angelica Houston and her look and. The ending was very shocking to me. I remember seeing it. I don't think not really understanding what was going on. Like that. I mean, we're going to spoil the Rifters now. Anyone but, listening to yeah, this? Yeah, but let's hold off before you get into the ending. Ending. Um, the ending to me was 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 pretty shocking, and I it, it didn't really compute as to how uh, kind of bold a move that was for for a you know it wasn't exactly a, a summer blockbuster kind of movie, but it was like a solid art house hit. I think at the time, hmm. and um, you know John Cusack was kind of like. You know, he was, he had just kind of 
I don't think he was ever really a superstar, but he had made Say Anything. Yeah, he was, was kind of a, a popular that. 80s actor at that point. And um, Angelica Houston was an Oscar-winning actress, and Benning was new. And so, it, you know, just there were a lot of good ingredients in this movie. And it's like one of those movies that just has like a really so- solid, I think, tight script, you know, and it, and it does a lot of things really well. Some things, I think, dated a little bit. But uh, watching it again, I thought... For the most part, this movie holds up pretty well. I, I wouldn't call it a classic, but I think it does hold up as like a uh, solid con men uh, movie with some pretty, uh, you know, I, I do think that the um, Angelica Houston's character really holds up as like a really interesting, strong, flawed, you know, terrifying kind of character. So, uh, hmm. yeah. So, Mike. That's my. Uh, now that you've been that? subjected to watch The Grifters. <laughs> What, what, against what, my will. Against your will. Forced. No, no, no. 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 What are your What are your thoughts? I mean, are you glad that Dave forced exposed this movie to you? Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> I think. We're All right. Your turn. <laughs> no. Uh, it, I, like you said, I don't, I don't know if I would. I wouldn't consider it a classic. Only I think just because I think the execution, I think the story and the characters are really interesting. I think the execution for me is what's lacking a little bit. I think it's just some some clumsy edits or dialogue is certain dialogue. Some dialogue's really good. Other dialogue is a little weird. Maybe it's just the delivery, um, the, the the pacing of the dialogue in particular was weird. The volume, I had I had to rewind a couple times. Ask my girlfriend, like, wait, what did they say? The volume was weird. I, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm oh, I'm saying just like the the you line. Can just I turn it up. Oh. No, wait, where? where? Where do I do that? There's a volume on your remote, you just go up. Oh, I thought that was like volume, like the amount of movie you get. And yeah, I didn't want to, it's, it's usually on my, I'm filling the frame. I don't, yeah. Anyway, um, well, actually, to, now they're on volume. I mean, yeah, I feel like some scenes were super loud, some scenes were so low. I kept like you riding this, the remote. You have this issue with old movies where you can never hear them. It's because I'm old. I'm an old person <laughs> watching old movies, and it's just, it's. Um, no, so I, I think uh, I think it's good. I think. Um, Funny, I think you, you you're led to believe that the main character is John Cusack. I, I would think it's actually more uh, um, Angelica Houston yeah. character really more than anything else. It's like she's the most defined. She has the most uh, uh, Ivan. What's up over there? Oh, I'm you're just okay? really tired. I'm okay, sorry. Ivan was like wrenching his face in his hands when I said that. I'm like, whoa! I clearly I'm wrong. I don't... Ivan just pulled a blanket up over his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, like, yeah, I think I, I like the characters. I like the, the plot and the story. I just think it was I, I sloppily. It, it wasn't polished to me. I don't know. Um, I, I still I, I like it. I think that the, the 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 plot twists and turns are interesting. I think it's you know overall trying to say trying to say. <laughs> um, Sorry, I was putting down the bottle of scotch. No, you weren't putting it. You were trying. Yeah, it was wires. Clearly, I'm not as smooth as John Cusack. This kind of stuff. Anyway, look to wrap this. I think it's a cool movie about people who are, in many ways, kind of. Um, I, I feel like almost addicted in a way to the grift and and. You know, it's just these three characters, how they're all kind of in some way trying to get out of the grift. Like, you know, maybe not so much Annette Benning, but uh, the other two, I think they're, they're saying they want to get out of it. They recognize the dangers of it. And maybe they want to. But I think I, I, there's evidence from both both of them that are kind of addicted to it. They, they right. you, know, you know. John Cusack's kind of like that classic guy who's like, I'm out. This one last job and I'm and out. And then I'm out. Right, but you right. see him on the train and he can't and he can't help himself. Right. I think he just enjoys it. He, he's course, good at once it. Once you decide knows. you're out, then that's, that's it for you, buddy. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And one more thing. Is, is anyone else annoyed that John Cusack's mouth is open for like 90% of this movie? It's just I think that's just John Cusack. Open. That's, uh, I, are you I don't think that was a Cusack of being a mouth breather? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't, he might be. Have you seen any other movies with John Cusack in it? Maybe not. Say, say anything or... Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've seen parts of Say Anything. I, I don't know. I, he's, always, he's just always like, whoa. Like I huh. just, that was a great impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Okay. John Cusack. So, my only real criticism. So Continue. that's the um, review. He looks, a, he looks a little like, I was looking at him thinking Miles Teller. Looks oh, a lot he like, looks uh, just like Miles yeah, Teller. Miles Teller has if a little scratched up face. If but. someone like punched John Cusack in the face repeatedly. <laughs> with a barbed wire for, bat. For a really long period well, of time. Well, John Cusack was a uh, kickboxer, was training a kickboxer. Has always been John Cusack? Boxer. John Cusack, yeah. Yeah, they brought that in to say anything. We're getting way off track. Okay, so The Grifters yes. is a movie Yeah. that... Boggles my mind, Dave. Boggles your mind. I watch this movie, and I think I'm more on Mike's side in the sense that I feel like parts of it don't quite like coalesce in a way that works entirely. But as I was watching it, I haven't seen a movie like this in so long where I had no idea. Like, I couldn't even conceptualize what kind of movie I was watching. I felt like I thought I knew where it was going, but I didn't really know where it was going. But I'm not sure. I'm happy. Like, I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't narratively satisfied, but at the same time, I'm surprised they took the chances that they did. Yeah. I think that the characters are very interesting. Um, I'm. I have no idea what I'm supposed to take away from this movie, and I think mm. that's my major criticism of it, in the sense that 
at the end of it, I'm not sure if Stephen Frears is trying to make a fun noir con movie or if he's trying to make something else mm-hmm. that has other thematic uh, things going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's like... And I don't know if you had that issue as well, but do you want to chime in before? No, I no, no. I just wanted to hear more. Hear more. Okay. So starting out in this movie, the first opening scene, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun con movie. And mm-hmm. I love con movies. I love like, I love the movies that's smarter than I am. And then the end twist always gets me. And, you know, really it was. What was the opening scene that, that uh, you know, you mm-hmm. see, uh, you see the sequence where John Cusack does the 10 to 20 bit. And right. I thought, oh, it's going to be about a bunch of really smart guys mm-hmm. going to have to do that one big yeah. job, like the Ocean's Eleven or right, the Confidence right, right. type movie or mm-hmm. um, Matchstick Men or right, right. Um, movies that are all precipitated about con men. Right. And, 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 and the movie's more interested in telling this thrillers, movies that are more interested in being thrillers than dramas. Right. But then this movie grinds to a halt in a sense where I feel like it doesn't know, you don't know where the plot is is driving until about an hour in. Mm-hmm. It becomes a character yeah. piece for like an hour. And mm-hmm. then it picks up momentum when, then it picks up momentum about an hour in when uh, um, John Cusack and Angelica Houston, not Angelica Houston, Annette Bening's character, Myra, reveals that she knows he's in on the con and that mm-hmm. she wants him to go on a con job with her. I'm like, oh, now this is what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. how they're going to go on one big con together and, right. and get all their money. And then it doesn't become that at all. It turns into a movie where they're out, she's turning on all of them and trying to get Angelica Houston's money. And right. It becomes almost like a Mexican standoff. Only yeah. Not, it, a, not a little Mexican standoff. Um, yeah, that was racist, Dave. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. But I just, I think that there's credit to the film that I had no idea what it was, where it was going, but at the same time, structurally, it struck me as very odd because I don't think the movie totally understands what it wants to be a lot of the time. And I don't know if you ever had that same feeling. Or mm, yeah. I guess my larger question is, in con movies like Ocean's Eleven, I think the goal is to take away the thrill of the job, right? Mm-hmm. A, bunch, about a bunch of cool characters being smarter than you. Same with the Italian job and other similar movies. Mm-hmm. But this movie, I don't think it's about that at all. So what is, what is the end takeaway uh, of this movie? And we'll, we'll spoil the ending in a second, but like, do you feel satisfied by that ending? Or what, what do you feel? I- at the end of this movie. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it, it, I wasn't satisfied until I really started looking at it. Like I said before, I think it's really mostly the story about these three people who are kind of caught in this, that, you know, you got Annette Bening who feels like she has to keep going because she hasn't made it big enough yet and she's running out of money. The mother in some ways kind of caught, you know, behind this, the shadow of this guy, Bobo, Bobo Justice, whose name, by the way, is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that name's Bobo fantastic. Justice. Oh my and God. And by the way, who's terrifying. Like this scene, that whole scene with her and him is just like excruciating. Um, and I, I feel like she's kind of caught there. She wants to get out. Her son is kind of caught. He's not sure if he wants to go big or not or stay small. You know, I feel like these, if you look at the sense of like the tragedy of these three characters kind of caught in that lifestyle, the fact that like she ends up, can I ruin the big ending here? Yeah, go for it. Well, yeah. the fact that she ends up killing her son um, mm-hmm. and killing this other woman. And then she even mentions like, you know, that you see people killing people all the time. But when you actually do it, it's it's like, you know, obviously she's traumatized by the by the whole thing i look at the thing is that these three people are kind of caught in this and um you know the dangers of getting into the grift and uh you know what it what it can mean it seems you know the guy i think early on um his mentor the guy you only see for that one scene the old guy he meets at the i guess train station or something yeah he's a Hmm. big character actor in fact this whole movie is like the um it's it's like a character actor like cornucopia cornucopia that's yeah. the word i'm looking for you have jt walsh pat hingle jeremy piven steven tobolowski oh yeah like, i love seeing tobo like, yeah. it's just like they got every like that guy white that guy actor and he's yeah. in this movie yeah it's a pretty white movie <laughs> it's the whitest white. movie yeah um but i thought that was pretty interesting but anyway sorry mike go yeah. ahead i mean that's pretty much it i think just that uh, the the arc of these three characters that's what i get out of if you look at it as a con movie well there's not really any cons that go on well, there, there I mean, there are, are there are there are stories about like, cons, but, but when you compare it to like the Italian job or Ocean's Eleven, like I've been saying, it's, ne- it's not never really... a movie. I always thought it was going to be a movie about a complicated plan about a bunch of expert grifters that's coming thought, together yeah. right. to work on to, to impress you with their genius. Yeah, I well, lo- that's not, and that's not this movie yeah, at all, right? Well, this movie is more about like what happens to the Ocean's Eleven's crew, not in like the sequels that they actually made, but say like. So what would happen? Ten years what down would the happen? Road. Yeah, like ten years down the road, how would it really go for you know George Clooney's character if he was say Angelica Houston's character? Probably not so well. Maybe 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 he's got like a kid somewhere living in Los Angeles and he shows up and and you know they don't have a great relationship. I mean, I would put this more in the category right. of something like the talented Mr. Ripley, which honestly is kind of a con artist movie too. I mean, yeah, it's, that's a good yeah, point. true. I mean, true. it's you know it's it's in a different way. I mean, it's not like he start starts off as a con man. It's like the birth of a con con man, I guess. And this is kind of like death of a death of a salesman, death of a con man, death of a con artist, con woman, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, so it's in a different category. It's not in the in the fun kind of category. It's thrilling uh, in the sense that I think, it, for at least for me, it's thrilling in the sense that this, you know, it's uh, really. I think it's a really tightly written script. I mean, I, you know, watching it, it just it felt like it just kind of flew by for me. I mean, it doesn't. It didn't feel like there was really a lot of wasted you know, a lot of filler in this movie at all. I mean, it just, it kind of moves along. You have John Cusack's character. You, you, they, they'll let you know he's in the relationship with Annette Benning. They don't quite know what's going on with each other. He gets hurt. Uh, the, you know, Lily shows up and then it just kind of rolls from there. What are the consequences of actually, uh, you know, living the life of a grifter? Um, in this case, John Cusack gets hit in the stomach and, you know, we were talking Almost last died, week about yeah. how, you know, in Fight Club, like one punch would probably put you in the hospital. Right, yes. In this movie, John Cusack yes. gets hit in the stomach with a baseball. I mean, to be fair, it is a baseball bat. But, but they, they actually right. show like a more of a real life consequence of this kind of this kind of thing. He ends up in the hospital and, and would have died. Would have died he if he didn't. Yeah. I, thank you for bringing that up because that was something I was thinking. I'm like, this is how it should. Like in real right. life, you got hit with a bat. Right. You're probably. So, it, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's just like any movie. There's a lot of, uh, you know, hyper reality and, or, you know, it's it's not real life this movie i mean it's you know heightened you know just like any film noir the way people talk to each other the way people walk in the room the way annette benning acts i mean it's uh everything's very very heightened i mean i think con artists wouldn't probably draw this much attention to themselves in real in the real world right they'd probably try to stay um play cooler a little bit they wouldn't walk around with a giant blonde wig or you know high heels that was her hair Or whatever. I mean, so it was, they actually dyed her hair that color. I don't know. I just think that the the product, uh, talking about a movie as a product of its time, the haircuts in this movie are just phenomenally 90s. Yeah, Yeah. well, definitely. I mean, it's it's, just John Cusack's silhouette. If you would just look at his hair. Like, unlike LA Confidential, where it was made in the late 90s, but was supposed to take place in the late 40s. So they, they, put a lot of attention to, you know, yeah. the, the detail of trying to make them feel like they fit into that era. This is a movie that was made in 1990 and they made it take place. They didn't make it take place like in 1960 or something. Right? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because it, it is supposed to take place in 1990, but it feels mm. older than that. The cars they drive yeah, feel like yeah. yep. from like, I mean, giant Cadillacs. Like 70s and, kind yeah. of It's got this very, um, like... Uh, the clothes, everyone has like that white color clothes but it's more of a practical like, decision like they they keep money in the trunk right so they want to they want a car with a big a big, gigantic a gigantic trunk, trunk yeah. where they can keep all their money and maybe dead bodies a dead body if you need it yeah utility yeah. trunk um but uh mike knows a lot about this. i know all about well, it i mean i thought it was i mean overall i think i mean it, it was originally if you read about it it, it seems like I, th- I think martin scorsese was was asked to direct this movie he said he would stay on as a producer and it's produced by barbara uh, defina i can never pronounce that name who was one of his longtime producers and uh, it feel it almost feels like something that he would have directed. I mean, the technique would have been different, I think, if Scorsese had directed it. But this was in between him directing The Last Temptation of Christ, which is his movie with Willem Dafoe playing Jesus Christ, and uh, Goodfellas, which is, you know, considered one of his two or three masterpieces. And, um, you know, I could see how he wouldn't have time to make The Grifters. But I think uh, overall, it kind of, it, it does, you know, if he had his, his hands on it at all, it feels like uh, there's a certain... I felt like there was a certain polish to this movie, honestly. I mean, I felt like hmm. it was, you know, overall, I mean, hmm. uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot, like he got Elmer Bernstein to compose the score for the movie. I mean, Elmer Bernstein's like one of the best uh, film composers of all time. Funny, because I didn't know. love that score. You didn't love that score? No, I felt clunky. Uh, Weird. Mm. Uh, well, I guess. My girlfriend was humming it afterwards. I think she probably liked it. Um, it was a little bit, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you remember, I think Ghostbusters had Elmer Bernstein uh, do the score. Is that Am I, am I correct? I don't know. Just look it up on the internet, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever. Me, you're the database here. Yeah, you're the yeah. guy that should know You're this. the guy that we need to ask. Uh, right. But eh. my, the overall, I guess my overall point is, the reason I don't think this movie has stuck, mm-hmm. like, this isn't a movie like Goodfellas that people talk about all the time continuously. Right. And I think no, it's I because know. after you watch it, you're not quite sure the feeling you're supposed to take. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate in a way that you feel either emotionally moved by these characters mm. you mm. don't feel intellectually satisfied by the quality of the grift so you have to take it almost as the enjoyment of a, a cinematic experience like as you said it's well very well directed it's very well performed but at the end of it i still just felt empty and and I, I, I the ending is very odd and i guess i'm kind of going backwards but the it's ending it's not a feel good movie at all it isn't it <laughs> no, isn't, it absolutely isn't not. But, no. but there are cer- <laughs> there are certain non feel good movies that still resonate very strongly mm-hmm. with a lot of people uh but this movie the way it ends so the big conclusion is basically angelica Houston ends up knocking out both the major players in the movie right she shoots she, Annette. she plays on john cusack's 
kind of incestuous feelings about his mother obviously must have been like 13 or 14 when she had him or something um but so she i'm assuming it's an accident that she kills john cusack do you agree with that statement oh yeah Yeah. okay so she kills john cusack accidentally by swinging to try to knock him out but ends up knocking the glass into his um, jugular yeah um but then the movie ends with her just driving away and uh, I turned to my wife Rebecca, who was actually pretty into it up until this point. She's like, mm. I have, she's like, I really, <laughs> she's like, I don't know what to take right, take away from this right now because it's not like Angelica Houston's in a good place either. She's mm. gonna probably be caught. Mm. Um, so it almost feels like the pieces come together, but in a way that it almost feels like they're we're, <laughs> Angelica Houston's almost at the same place where she started in a lot of That's places. What I'm saying. Right? I think it's mostly a tragedy. Well, like, it's well, not really. I mean, she's not. Is she? Uh, how, how were her? Her, she's running from her uh, employer, Bobo, I guess. But right. she was always feel f- fearful of him to begin with. Yeah, but yeah, now so she's, she's really on the land, though. I mean, she's <laughs> yeah, not she's working like, Seriously, And she has, I mean, she has a bunch of money, but a lot of it has blood all over. I mean, how are you yeah. going to spend that? But it almost feels like the kind of movie that could have, had it been maybe more successful. I mean, it was successful, but I mean, if it really had stayed in the public consciousness, maybe that character would have gone on to make another movie or two. You know, the way Ripley actually was played by John Malkovich. And I mean, there were a lot of Ripley novels. There were a lot of uh, wait, talented wait, wait, Mr. Ripley wait. novels. Oh. Uh, that's what meant Ripley from me. Sorry, not, not really, Alien, not Alien. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking no, about. No, no, no. <laughs> no, uh, uh, the character that Matt Damon plays Mr. Ripley or or John, uh, what's, what's his actual name in the movie? T- Tom, Tom, Tom Ripley, right? He is in uh, actually a series of novels. Right. Uh, as opposed to this character, w- which was also from a book but I, right. I, by Donald uh, Westlake, I think his name. Um, anyway, uh, I don't. I don't think. They, I don't think she went on to. Uh, you know. I don't, you know. She wasn't like a become like a popular character. In, well, mm. okay. So can you help me parse? But the she p- was nominated for best actress, and a lot of people thought she would have won. Kathy Bates won that year for Misery. So well, that's a tough year. Um, Let me go back and try to understand the plot because there are a lot of things I didn't understand in the film, and maybe you can help me figure them out. Okay, the big question I have is why does she need Roy's money? She has twelve thousand. She has tons of money in her trunk. Why didn't she need yeah, Roy's money at all? Why didn't she not take the money with her? So Did is something it, is happen? It, I guess she it, just wanted at the end of the movie. She just wants as much. Anyone on the just, lamb wants as much money as possible. I, I guess so. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I, I don't know, if, but um, structurally that doesn't work for me because I feel like the character has reconnected with her son in a certain way and has felt a compassion for him that she had probably has either been ignoring or denying mm-hmm. uh, her entire life. So it seems weird that if she has a good amount of money already to start with, that she would go and try to destroy his life in the process. Yeah, I, I feel like we needed a scene where, where she could not get to her money. We knew mm-hmm. that. And that she, so or Annette Benning somehow was... got to it first, right. and then that put her in a conundrum. Because I'm assuming she still has the money, mm-hmm. because you, there's never a scene that tells us differently. Well, right? so so she's not trying to have a lack of clarity of what happens mm-hmm. between uh, the killing of Annette Benning and, and the... Um, there's a little bit of a twist there, right, where they make it look like yeah. Angelica Houston has been killed, but it's Annette Benning. Um, well, one thing is that when she's leaving, she's not driving her own car anymore. She's driving a Florida license plate. She's her driving car a Nat Benning's car, though, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't, I don't know what happens to her car and why she left it behind and why she left the money behind. That is confusing to me as well because I was thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I guess. And then I guess the other major. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to. This isn't a confusing thing with the plot. I'm. Guess I'm, my question is how it applies to the film. So the movie takes an entire interlude to give you the backstory of Annette Benning's character, mm-hmm. and it kind of shapes her perspective. But it introduces this entire other con man Played into the film. Played by J.T. Walsh. Played by the great J.T. Wal- yeah. Walsh. We've discussed in this film, like in this podcast, several times before. He, I believe, was in. Is um, he in Top Gun? He yes. was in Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. in Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's okay. the guy that just shows up in yeah. every movie we talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's playing this con man that goes insane. Yeah. And it seems like the, again, there's a lot of things in this movie that feel odd. It almost feels, uh, it's it, it feels like it belongs in a novel, but not in a movie. Hmm. <laughs> like we take this entire yeah. diversion where we get to know this character and like, oh, this guy's going to come back into play. Well, remember this movie's pre-Tarantino where, where you know, he, he was kind of uh, the director that, made film that they would kind of take, you know, the formats, the thing, the kind of stuff that you can do in a book and kind of apply them to uh, film, you know, where you know, things are out of order. And, and I guess my, um, 
I just maybe I'm maybe this is a testament to how good this movie is. Maybe. But every time I was watching it, I was like, oh, now this is what the movie's about. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, no, now this is what the movie's about. Oh, it's mm-hmm. going to be about them going to get steal money from the other con man. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's like, and nothing ever materialized. It's like all these balls were in the air, and the end of the movie, they all just drop. Like the juggler never kept them going or sh- impressed you in a way. It's like or maybe, a lot of maybe threads they, were maybe going. Maybe they caught them all. <laughs> maybe the juggler caught all the balls behind <laughs> off camera. You don't get to see the amazing talk in the past two podcasts. And I, I, yeah, there's a lot of ball talk. <laughs> And I guess that's this feeling I have when I watch this movie, and it, I can't quite. When I said it confounded me, I can't quite wrap my head around what is. Is it brilliant that the, the, the none of those threads connect in a way, or is it just kind of? I, eh. Well, but, I mean, but, I think so. We're talking specifically about this. So there's a, there's this story that Annette Bening tells to get them to attempt to try to bring John Cusack to be a partner together right they right want, she wants them he's kind of on he's kind of thinking well i got hit in the stomach i almost died maybe this is a good time to get out of this whole grifting thing and and that benning is is thinking this guy's actually pretty good i'm gonna try to convince him uh how great i am and uh you know through the various methods that she has i mean she uses her body and sex a lot and um and she's gonna say here's the story of how well it went for me until this one guy went nuts, uh, and I think that you and I together could be stronger, make more money, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a business plan. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the mother gets into the mix, and uh, things don't work out very well for anybody. Um, except maybe the mother. No. Nope. The mother's nope. okay. Well, nope. <laughs> you see the way she's sobbing at the end, like a broken... No, like yeah, she's, no. Well, they don't really work out well for anybody. If I'm, I mean, going, kind of if I'm going to boil this film down and, yeah. and my analysis and talking this out, this is not a con movie. It's a movie about survival, okay. and it's about a woman, uh, Lily's character, uh, discovering that she will do anything to preserve her survival. Uh, her survival instinct will push her to do anything. Yeah, um, and that's the and that's really depressing, and it's mm-hmm. tragic, and mm-hmm. it's scary, and it's a, it's a movie about human nature, mm-hmm. not about grifting. Right, um, is the way I would boil the film down. No, but I think it does have a lot to do with grifting, and I think like you know, <laughs> well, it, it is called the grifters. <laughs> it is called about, the grifters. I mean, the, the art of the con. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. I, but I, I, th- I think yes, but I think also you know I, I keep going back to this like the, of the idea of. You even you mentioned you bringing up the guy uh, JT Walsh right and how he just goes and that's it he's gone like we don't see him anymore he goes insane which by the way again another really creepy scene where he's on the bed and he's like I can't move I can't right, move right. well I thought that was going to be Annette Benning conning John Cusack saying that her partner had gone insane at the end of the movie he was going to come back and be the one conning them I all I actually thought right. that she did something to con him and then be poisoned or right. something like that and got them which may be the case we don't know um, but I, I just, you know, it's the idea like everyone, everyone's story ends in some form of a tragedy or, or, or yeah. something like, yeah, it's like someone a, it's mentioned like a little bit Greek, uh, Greek tragedy. Yeah, say, yeah. yeah. And you got one, I forget who says it. Someone says it's something about like, oh, the mother was saying, she's like, basically when you're, when you're conning, you're either going up or you're going down. Like mm-hmm. there's no standing still. Right. So the, the idea we're seeing, we're seeing people going up and then going right down. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's more that, down that, in this movie. Yeah. Say. Yeah, actually. <laughs> and yeah. Then, say Ocean's Eleven, it's definitely up. Everyone's right. up. It's, uh. Well, it's they, the thrill of the, that's the, the thing. Yeah. I mean, you see them failing at all their plans more than you actually see them succeeding, which is very right. rare for a movie such as yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, in the beginning, you see Cusack succeed a little bit, but then he ends up getting <laughs> clocked in the stomach. Right. You see um, Lily's character being attacked by Bobo Justice right. um, <laughs> for not doing her job. Right. Um, so, a question about that was because I know you said you had some. Uh, trouble following the plot when what, what is she getting in trouble for was she so trying her to, job was she from, cutting too much off the top and was well, trying to use the money to get to okay so um going back her job in the film in my understanding is to go to racetracks and place bets to even out the stakes for various horses mm-hmm. so she'll she'll bet on on long shots so even if the long shot happens to win the payout won't be as big is that correct i think so so that's my so when she's in the hospital visiting roy and she misses going to the racetrack the long shot wins and bobo justice has to pay out a lot more money which is why he's pissed off at her also he's confronting her because that stash in her trunk is she's 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 skimming a little bit off the top each time is my understanding Mm -hmm. she takes some to send back to him in florida and then she takes a couple she does the office space a con right, where she, yeah, they, right, they right, take right, a couple right. from it's the like jar two, and yeah. then and then and she's been slowly accumulating this large yeah, and there's, uh, there's an cash. interesting back and forth between them when, when he describes uh, when she describes like if you aren't taking a little bit then you're stealing a lot yeah yeah right. so it's her way yeah, yeah. so yeah. It's, you know it's like okay so I'm taking a little bit but it's better than taking all of it but I think she's actually taking more than than she's uh, saying it's possible you know it's possible and, and um 
so that's my understanding of that. Okay, thank you. Cause I, yeah. uh, it took me a little bit to under, to get exactly what she was doing in the film, but that whole sequence where she's confronting Bobo justice, like you said, Mike, that's a very tense scene. It's mm. a very interesting scene. And it's also very strange because at the end, they're they're pretending to like each other, but they both yeah. they're both terrified. Of, she's definitely yeah. terrified of him in that oh, scene. Is yeah. that is that exactly what's going oh, on? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just that it's that relationship. It's hey, we're buddies until you cross me, and then you will you will beg for mercy, and then hey, now we're friends again. You it's kind of like I'm my relationship from. with Dave, really. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. I was wondering what you're thinking. Let me put down this towel full of apples, <laughs> oranges. <laughs> Even that, like something like that, was just disturbing. Where he was talking to her about like you know, and she's trying to get the arm, and she starts stuttering, and you know, yeah. which by the way, I think just something like that, her stuttering, I thought was such a great character moment because it kind of mm-hmm. makes you wonder: did she always have that stutter and she overcame it, uh, or is she just know. like so scared? I think she was just terrified. You know? Right, right, right. But it just I just I thought her character was so well defined and you know she's cool and collected in one scene and then this scene she's like falling to pieces you know and whew. Yeah. so let's talk about the other major issue I have in this film and then we can do any other thoughts that you guys had okay. I'm just trying to get, this is for me really because I'm mm. trying to understand the movie yeah. um, so the incest at the end mm-hmm. in the end of the film Angelica Houston basically comes on to her son yeah, yeah. and they share this really disturbing kiss. It's a way of keeping him off guard so that he's... Is, right. So this is part of her con... Play. She's... she's, oh, yeah. she's uh, Is she taking advantage of something that she's known existed in yes, him all along? Yes, I think along? so. I think so. Yes. Because there's always... There's a little bit of tension in the whole movie. You're, you're really wondering, I was, are they actually mother and son or was that just a story? Because when she kisses him alone, she kisses no, him I on think Annette Benning's character looks a little bit like what's Angelica the, Houston. And right. I think maybe well, the, the picking what, up on that kind of what's stuff. What's the evidence, though? Like other than they kind of look like each other, what are you what are you referring to, Mike? Like there's just it's just the way they the way she well the relationship the, the physical re- contact when she when she kisses him hello I think the first time she yeah. kisses him on the yeah. mouth and yeah. she just it's a little bit not the way your mom would kiss you right. hopefully I mean and I think <laughs> and, it, and it's a given that they don't really have a real mother son relationship I mean it's right. it's almost like a brother if anything a brother sister relationship uh, and not a good one you know it's it's almost like stepbrother and sister. It just so happens that she, I mean, she happens to be his mother, his actual biological mother. But, uh, you know, if you, I mean, there, there are, there have to be stories out there about people that, uh, oh, yeah. that, that maybe ended up dating their, well, the their Oedip- sibling or cousin or sister or whatever. And, and you don't, when you find out that it's, you know, it's the Oedipal complex thing you're talking right, about, right? Right, right, Um, Which I mean, plays, I think plays she, into she, the whole Greek tragedy thing. I, I guess. think she's always known. Um, but of course, like, you're not gonna, I mean, unless you're, you're twisted, you're not gonna act on it, right? But I feel like at the, at the end, she is so desperate to get that money that she's like, all right, it's my last shot. I gotta do this. Hopefully, this works. Well, this, in this, at this point in their uh, relationship, they haven't seen each other in eight years. So he's, this character is only 25, 26 years old. He hasn't seen his mother since, like, I guess if he went to high school or something, just graduating high school. So, you know, it's they don't have a close relationship. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, so there, there's no way to say like what it's been like their entire life. I mean, who knows? I mean, I would just assume that, you know, eight years prior, things probably weren't great back then either. I mean, maybe there was another five or six years, you know, he would see his mother every so often. Maybe he was raised in an orphanage that you never, right, you never right, really right. get into that. When he calls her Lily, I mean, he there's calls nothing her more right. impersonal sure. than that. Right. I, um, it's more of a sign of a disrespect, but it's also like a, he talks to her almost the way you would talk to an ex-girlfriend. Well, if you look at the poster for this film, it it, it paints an entirely different movie. The the poster is these three people wearing sunglasses, looking cool. Yeah, they look like the poster of Get Shorty. Like it yeah, looks right. It, it it's like oh, this is gonna be a, a slick movie about cool people. This is a very dark film where it ends badly for everyone involved. I think, I think that, but I think that 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 plays into the fact that like grifting seems cool. Like everyone gets into it because they, they want to be the cool. You know, like the guy says, you want to be the wise guy. You want to be mm-hmm. the guy who's smarter than everybody else. So it's kind of you know that idea that. People get into it because they want to look cool, and this right. is kind of taking a look at the underbelly or the under other other side of it, really. Like you know, yeah, it's like really uh, cool. they, and they do kind of capture a little bit of the thrill there. I mean, when you John Cusack holds up that twenty, puts yeah, it, when yeah, it goes yeah. well the first time, and then not so well the second time. I mean, you know, it's kind of a cool thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. Watch when I was watching, I was like, all right, all right. It's cool clever. when it's cool when you see it, people like doing card tricks and, and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I mean, it's they don't get too into it, um, you know, just enough to give you a taste of like how they got caught up in this stuff. Yeah, I think. So, um, but you know, one other thing I wanted to mention was that to me, this is almost like the flip side, like a movie like LA Confidential is, is about, to me, was about kind of corrupt cops trying to go straight. In this movie, it's kind of about, uh, corrupt, these corrupt people in the same way it's about uh, kind of corrupt criminals trying to go straight. So it's just like, 
it's in the same kind of category where it's a, it's a film noir, it's a neo noir if you want to call it that. It takes place in Los Angeles too, but in L.A. Confidential, you got the uh, you know the, the right side of the law, right? And this, you have the wrong side of the law. Well, L.A. Confidential though gives the cinematic satisfaction of watching a Hollywood style shootout, yeah. where you're rooting for the good guys versus the bad. Right. And this movie doesn't even try to give you that. It's right. basically giving you the middle finger. It's right. like you're not going to get that big. You're not going to get the cathartic. Uh, movie moment. Right. You're not going to get the moment where you can just sink away type right. thing. And right. um, I, I guess that, that either makes it brilliant mm-hmm. or just a very depressing movie. Right. So well, I, uh, and yeah. I, I think we need to talk about something really important. Okay. We're three guys sitting <laughs> in a basement, <laughs> which is the most perfect. Like when people think about podcasting, this is what they're envisioning. Three oh. nerdy guys yeah. sitting in the basement. Yeah. Or garage. Or, or garage. Um we need to talk about Annette Benning's nudity. It has to happen. <laughs> it's going it's to happen, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. It, uh, she was a hottie. I mean, she was but but Annette Benning's uh, a, an actress who you don't feel like would play this kind of role, or at least in the movies. Or didn't I'm have fr- to. I feel like. Or I'm from, yeah. when I'm familiar with Annette Benning, I think of American Beauty. I think of the American President. Mm-hmm. I think of movies where she plays women that are not the tart, strong, not, not, strong, smart women that are. Either that, like yeah, yeah, noble and not even noble. Just I don't picture her playing the sexy femme fatale, and mm-hmm. that's what she's playing in this movie, right. uh, almost to the point where her, she's got a little Marilyn Monroe. In her her nudity sc- almost scandalized me in this movie. I'm like Annette. Whoa. I yeah. thought I didn't know we were put those there. away. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I just don't feel comfortable with this. The, where, where, where we're taking this? Yeah. yeah, it was always surprising. I was like, whoa, okay, well, we're doing this, okay. But it also made me feel so scummy in the sense that. Her her greatest tool as a con woman oh, is yeah. her sexuality, oh, yep. and it's disturbing. I mean, she she plays a woman that is forced to sell her body mm-hmm. to pay her rent. How right. how depressing is that? I don't know about forced. I, would, but yeah, that, I think but she enjoys it. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she puts it. the she, money, she puts the, the money on the glass, and she uh, and she offers you know herself says take whatever one you want. So obviously she doesn't have to do it, but you know that is uh, the way she's what she's using to get. Much further ahead, obviously. Well, in that mm-hmm. sequence, when she starts laughing about her lunch, mm-hmm. the tomato... Uh, she's having sex with this, uh, the landlord, and she's laughing about her lunch. What the heck was that about? I oh, actually don't know. I you really? I have no explanation oh, that was so there. She says it was... She saw on the menu a hothouse tomato covered with a generous slab of cheese. Which That's is him. What's, yeah, I guess. The cheese, she's the tomato. I was try, I was a trying. tomato is a term for a woman who's kind of like a loose woman kind of a thing, and he's oh. this big, smelly guy. Disgusting. I never knew that a tomato. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, okay. yeah, that, is that really you a Learn thing? something new every look day. Look it up. You look it up. It's an older term. I think it was <laughs> we'll like put it in the show. In we'll put it in the show uh, comments. Show notes. Show yeah. notes. <laughs> the show notes. <laughs> Definition of tomato. I was looking it up online. Fruit that grows in a vine and a loose woman. Yep. Yep. There you go. I want to I want to see his face when he realizes he's, <laughs> I'm right. That Shelly is one red hot tomato, 1930s slang. Oh, my God. Very noir language, by <laughs> the way. Mike for the win. According to the uh, website, the Dirty 30s. <laughs> the Dirty 30s. <laughs> that is a, a term for a hot mama, a sweet mama, a sweet patootie, a okay. tomato, a okay. looker. All right. Thank you. Well, you know, so this is a podcast. We, we Look how much we've... People learned. are learning so yes, much. Yes, that's the thing about this this kind of movie is that, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's good to bring a movie back that is, may not be a masterpiece, but maybe it's like a really, in my opinion, a pretty solid, maybe you'll watch this again and like it better. I mean, this could be a two-timer. This could be the kind of movie where you go back and watch it again like years later and think, hey, well, I didn't hate good. it. I didn't hate it at all. I know all. you didn't hate yeah. it, but... Um, it might take a couple of viewings to really. I, th- I think I saw it maybe a couple of times. This might have been my third time seeing it. You know, it's an old movie. It's like a twenty-five year old. I movie. just don't think any of our twelve listeners have seen this movie either. Yeah. Twelve hundred. That's twelve hundred listeners. And certainly, listeners, have you? If you have seen this movie, uh, I want you to come out in droves. You know, in droves of Support two or three, Dave. droves of two or three, and <laughs> tell make Dave sure you post uh, on to a, to let Dave know that you are seen this movie. Yeah. And it, 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 gotta, there has to be someone else out there my age who is. Watching, you know, uh, Goodfellas, you know, around the time it came out and, and knew about you this movie. You keep on making the comparison to Goodfellas, though, and I can't think of a movie that is more diametrically different than Goodfellas in this film. Ooh. Yeah. Gone thrown I mean, Goodfellas does have the same kind of, like, downfall of a character arc, but it's... it's uh, Goodfellas is pure thrill, though. That yes. whole movie is designed to stimulate you and make you enjoy... Like, that whole movie is, is the movie moment. That's the entire film. It's right. the joy of watching... 
a guy just, it, it's entertainment, right? right. I, I mean, I wouldn't even say that Goodfellas is that deep. I think okay. Goodfellas is just a really entertaining well, movie. All right, well, maybe and, this movie falls in line more with, like, say, The Color of Money, which is also a Scors- Scorsese movie. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> the, the, the Tom Cruise, Paul Newman, Hus- Spoiler yeah, sequel, sequel to The Hustler. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the um, twist is that all the money's purple at the end of it, the end of and, then it money the color, and then it turns into the color, the color purple, purple. The yes. sequel. Yes. Oh, right. Man, that was good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, he's not known for making happy ending movies. Can I tell and, you what this and, movie? And so you have you have to talk about Scorsese a little bit when you're talking about this movie because he was it does have it does feel like it has a lot of his touch. I mean, you know what this movie reminds me of, Dave? Um, there's a Paul Newman. It's funny that you mentioned Paul Newman. There's a Paul Newman film the where he. We, uh, that's a good example, but I was also going to say he's, there's a movie where he plays a lawyer. The Verdict. F- yes. It reminds me of that movie uh-huh. because that movie is like a slowly paced like character study that you know kind of takes place around the same time. And this film feels more like a character study than it does a movie that's designed to get you by the plot. This mm. isn't a plot-centric movie because it's large, largely – excuse me. It's largely irrelevant, right. the plot. Do, do the pieces uh, no, but do the pieces come together in a way that you're like, wow, that was really well interconnected. That it all kind yeah, of yeah, I kind of think they do <laughs> because <laughs> of my opinion. because yeah. the, because of the bait and switch with Lily and Annette Benning. Yeah, I, I mean, think just in general, it's, it's about it, uh, it, it's about gamesmanship. You know, it's uh, you know make, making sure you have the upper hand in this uh, kind of uh, relation, this this uh, weird relationship they have. You know, it's it's kind of a it's almost like they become a little family for a short time and. And it's about, uh, well, who's going to win, you know, who's going to make it out alive or, you know, with the money or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, things obviously don't end well because uh, it's that kind of movie, you know, things, you know, in a lot of film noir movies, uh, things don't end usually on on a happy ending. A movie like LA Confidential had a happier ending. You know, had a very or, happy ending. Had a mm-hmm. relatively happy ending for that kind of movie. Um, yeah. But uh, a lot of these older movies, I mean, I'll, I'll throw one out, uh, Double uh, Indemnity. Indemnity. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, I love Double Indemnity. And uh, that's that's one of those movies where it's like the uh, same kind of thing. Someone gets involved with, you know, a man gets involved with a woman. She's the femme fatale, and, and uh, it doesn't work out that well. They try some kind of grift in that movie, if I remember correctly. Or we get a little they're, bit of they're, old. They're trying to con, con her husband out of, out of, out of uh, money, if I remember Miller's Crossing. Or Miller's Crossing, Crossing didn't end has great. a little bit of that too. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as bad, but it wasn't wasn't uh, fantastic. You mean ending, the right? masterpiece Miller's Crossing? Yes. The yes oh, I'm well, saying I'm saying yes. it doesn't end well for the character, yeah, our, our hero, movie, you know. But um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so basically what we're saying is go watch Miller's Crossing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, yeah. Any, any, I mean, look, if, you, look if you're a fan of John Cusack, I mean, this is definitely one of his better movies. I mean, this is you know he was Ooh. a little bit on a roll. I mean, say anything, gross point blank, high fidelity, high fidelity. Uh, which was also Stephen Frears, and uh, and this movie I would put kind of in the same category. Like these were the solid movies that he made, you know, to make a name for himself. Um, Before you know. fading into oblivion and making Grand Piano. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, which is actually pretty decent, actually. Have you seen? <laughs> I uh, have. Why don't we do it next piano. week? Uh, yeah, but yeah, he came what, out like a year ago. Playing, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Damien Chazelle wrote the script for that movie. He did. I mean, it's actually not a bad movie. I'm just yeah. giving it a hard time. Anyway. Okay. All right. So closing. Any final thoughts about the what? Grifters? Just one final thought. That shot, oh my god! It's when the when the, I think it's after she kills Cusack and she goes down the elevator and it's it's the it's shot amazing shot. It should have been behind the, the grate. In and fact, it's it going past yeah. her face and it keeps and just, it drifts focus between her face and the grate. Well, the grate kind of just keeps going over and it almost looks like a. Ever see a uh, HR uh, HR Geiger? HG Geiger? Yeah, alien. It, his, yeah, his his uh, paintings have that same twisted like geometric shapes over women's faces. In kind fact, of thing. I think the shot Ugh. is so good, Mike. That should be Whoa. the final shot of the movie. It should have been. Yeah, they I agree. cut to the shot of her I driving agree. away. A useless yeah. shot of her driving. Yeah, yeah away. because it doesn't. Right. It think, adds nothing to the movie. Right. I think that shot of her descending, going low, going, you know, going up, going down, she's going mm. down with that. I think he was. Like, I think he was just trying to end with a shot of the city, which is how it opens with that kind of like really. Kind of, yeah, I, I would have just done a still shot of the city, like, Elmer Bernstein, kind of over the top score, and then um, I just, I guess, I think it's much more interesting yeah, if you just probably descend, and that's the end of the film. Yes, I agree. Agreed. Agreed. Oh man, you just <laughs> said that. Now I like the movie. Like, that, I mean, I don't love it, but it's, 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 I'm like, okay, that's it's pretty good. That's a solid way to end it. Yeah. Right. It's Dave, kind of like it's a story. Any about final me. thoughts? You say you say this was a worthy review, and you think everyone are. Oh, I mean, listeners should go I, I, mean I think as well. I, I like this. I'd like to think you're kidding when you say that I, I forced you guys to watch this movie. No, you didn't no, force we are, us. We are kid, we are, I mean, I'm kidding in the sense that I'm glad I know this movie yeah. is is a thing. I, right. I just I, I feel like it just got lost. <laughs> yeah, it did a little bit, uh, and ways. we're bringing it back just a little bit because uh, Angelica Houston was pretty terrific in it, and uh, John Cusack have, was uh, pretty decent. I have this image of Stephen Frears 
who gets like like royalty kickbacks every time this is played on Amazon Prime. Like, Whoa, like, I got a spike. He's, What's he's, going he's, on? He's like zero to four in one week. Yeah. Huh. It's a good day for it's Mr. Freer. I mean, it's big po- week, guys. And big it's week. We may need to watch more Stephen Freer's movies because well, I mean, uh, look, look, looking at uh, well, I mean, looking uh, at the list of okay, I think sorry, hi, but I think High Fidelity is worth a review. I think that's a High Fidelity is a good, you know, definitely more male centric movie. But bringing it back to what my whole reason for bringing this movie into the podcast was the female centric roles, the Queen. Dangerous liaisons with Glenn Close. I mean, there's a lot. He's in Philomena with Judy Dench. And he's pretty uh, good at, uh, you know, some directors are really good at finding strong roles for women, like James Cameron, say. You could argue that James Cameron's one of those directors that uh, does this same kind of thing. They're very different directors, but yeah, those, you know, are, those are guys off the top of your head, try to think of directors that are really good at finding, like, you know, uh, strong female roles. You know, it's not, uh, not that common. No, that's true. I yeah. think that's a good point. I mean... Now I'm gonna have to think about this. Michael yeah. Bay. See, it's, the kind of, it's the kind of thing you have to think about. It's the kind of thing you have to think. About. Oh, sorry, Michael Bay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Dave just went with it's, it. Yeah, he went with the joke. Oh yeah, dude, that's a that's yeah, a big good. moment. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's great. Um, closing out this episode. If you want to find more episodes of this show, maybe movies you that you maybe movies that you've heard of, you can go to reviewedpodcast.com. <laughs> uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and be sure to leave us a review if you're so kind. Um, Michael. Next week. Michael, it's your choice. What are oh, we watching? Man. So I'm, I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure if we're going to do... Make a ga- you, can, you can decide later if you Do you want. have a coin? Do you have a coin we can flip just like John Cusack? Well, how, I, I got a... Um, are any of these movies available to stream? Yeah, that, that actually that would be. Uh, <laughs> we should have done this before the podcast, but hey, we want to give you good radio. All so right. hold on. Also, until... how long? Uh, so to bring people into <laughs> this right, conversation. Obviously, the two there's two movies so, we're so talking the, about. It, the two that are up for grabs currently. And there could uh, it be more different <laughs> in terms of length. Apocalypse Now or its Mirror Image Breakfast Club. <laughs> two classic <laughs> movies. The two movies. Club. Breakfast Club. A yin I, I, to the yang. <laughs> Uh, but see, the thing is, Apocalypse Now, we have a request. We had a, uh, one of our listeners, Brian Kane. Uh-huh. A man. You shouldn't use last yeah. name. <laughs> they can't ever run for president now. I'm sure he's the only Brian Kane out there. Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't think he actually listens to this show. Yeah. No, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he, he wanted to listen to our review of Apocalypse Now, or as many know it, Apocalypse Meow. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing? Apocalypse Meow or? Well, let me just... Uh, Apocalypse Now is 153 minutes. That's like now, three weeks. Now, The Breakfast Club is 97 minutes. I'm just throwing I, it out there. I think we're going Neither one of them are streaming now. as far as I can see. I think I'm going to do, we'll do Breakfast Club this week and uh-huh. then in... When it loops back around and you? And it comes back around, I'll hit... No, by that time, we're going to probably be doing Indiana Jones, but... Okay. Really? Well, that long? I don't think it's going to be that long. It takes like six weeks to get... We do one every two weeks, so it takes all right, six all right, to make the rotation. All right, As much as people love hearing us plan our next episode on air, live. Um, live? Breakfast Club. Oh, no. Done. <laughs> true, true. Oh, crap. I should have been posting this to the internet now. <laughs> anyway, so if you want to find me, you can find me online at MikeMirandi.com or Wait, so are we Twitter. doing Breakfast Club? Yes. yes. We're doing Breakfast okay. Club. Okay. And I'll cook some pancakes for us to have while we're... Yes. Uh, Okay, that's great. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. What's Mirandi. your Twitter handle? Does anyone care? At MikeMirandi.com. Dave, go. Dave, 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 Dave Glanz, G-L-E-N-Z, and uh, DaveGlanzProductions.com. And you can find me at Luckynightstudios.com. I'm an editor for ShortOfTheWeek.com. ShortOfTheWeek.com. <laughs> a little, little Irish lilt. <laughs> ShortOfTheWeek.com. Um, and uh, He's twi- an editor <laughs> for Short of the Week. <laughs> and uh, Twitter.com. Twitter. I'm at Ivan Kander on Twitter. we got to get out of this This is episode. by far our sloppiest episode we've done. <laughs> this may be the worst thing we've ever done. I haven't even had any alcohol. Uh, um... So uh, we will see you next week with The Breakfast Club. Uh, thanks two for weeks. listening. Two, two weeks. We got. I'm ending this now. All right. Bye. Ready? All right. Time to flush. All right. <laughs>